0: hello and welcome to episode 83 of the live to walk again podcast my name is jeremy dixon your host as always and with me as usual our returning champ uh and co-host of the year nominee brandon stevens brandon say hello to the people
1: yeah i'm the defending champ and i'm gonna be uh reclaiming my title this year 2021 all right co-host of the year to hear it, I don't know what that was all about. That's Sports Center.
0: Sports Center, dinging on my I don't know where that came from. Anyway, you can listen to this.
1: Better podcast not get copyrighted on that line
0: <laughs> You can listen to this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can listen on Spotify, Apple, uh, iHeartRadio, Podbean, where we uh, where we host this, the the show. Brandon, I know you have some uh, obscure ones.
1: Yeah, you could uh, check out TuneIn, iHeartRadio.
0: Okay. I already said iHeartRadio, my bad. Oh, you did? Yeah, I thought you had some other ones. Stitcher, where's Stitcher? Oh,
1: Stitcher Radio? Yeah. Anyway. I don't know, man, <laughs> wherever you wherever you might be.
0: Yeah, you can uh, You can also send us any questions or comments at LiveToWalk, again, at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at live to walk the number one. You can get us on Facebook or Instagram at Live To Walk Again. Um, I'll give you Brandon's uh, cell phone number in case. <laughs> um, I'll
1: I will forward all messages to Jeremy. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, anyway, Brandon, we had uh, had a good week this week, man. I got got the wheelchair back. Like the wheelchair saga is over finally.
1: Dang, man! People don't even think about like those little things. That you would have to go through on a day-to-day basis, and not being without your wheelchair. And then you called me on like Monday, and you're like at six o'clock. You're like oh, I just got out of bed.
0: I'm yeah, like, it dude, was a, it was a long. You've been stuck in day,
1: bed man. all day.
0: It was a long day. Let me just tell you. Fuck, yeah, dude. Well, cause yeah, I've got a backup wheelchair, but I only have one set of batteries that that we work. We got to get
1: like, you God, more batteries, that's man.
0: That's what I'm working on now, bro. Um, but yeah, so wheelchair is uh, fully functional. I'm back in business. Uh, but Brandon, um, I wanted to talk about. Uh, I, I had a cool uh, meeting this week with a uh, friend of the podcast, Nick Lucius from Barwis Physical Therapy. Uh, he, after we had him on the last time, um, you know, a couple, three months ago or so, uh, he told me that. That we could uh, do like a little training session or whatever, just kind of over Zoom. And so we, we did a little video chat and he showed me a bunch of awesome, oh, when we were going to do it right after the first podcast and his when we were scheduled to do it, I I messaged him like, "Hey, you ready to go?" And he's just like, "Hey, man, my wife's in labor. I can't oh, no do it Oh, no big right deal. Now. I'm busy. <laughs> like, man, yeah, no problem at all, bro. Yeah, so, I guess
1: I guess that's a good enough excuse. Yeah, yeah, we'll so let you slide on that one. Con- here. Con-
0: congratulations to Nick on on the the new baby. And uh, but yeah, no, we we were able to link up this last week, and he gave
1: me. Hey, man! But a man of his word, he still followed oh, through. Yeah, I mean, man. dude, he even having on- a freaking three month old, that's not
0: that's what he said he's like i'm not sleeping much anyway Dude, so whenever yeah. you need to hit me up just <laughs> let me know if you, if you have any questions or anything that's awesome so, man yeah that's so cool. he showed me a bunch of like great breathing exercises and uh um like stuff i can do at the standing table but i, mean, I haven't been up at the standing table in quite a while so uh, he suggested i get a bone density test done so i got that i had to go to my doctor today i got that ordered so we have that coming we got these things brandon called active hands that a lot of people use um like for the in the gym like you can strap basically like a bar or a weight on
1: oh, there, I wonder onto your hands
0: like onto your hand could basically.
1: you put it on your foot too i don't know i no, don't i don't think so you couldn't wrap around your foot
0: uh it's like a hand it's like a glove that oh, fits it's a over glove. your hand yeah it's just called active hands
1: huh so I need anyway. some of those for the feet, so that's, I'm going to have to look into that.
0: But, so you can...
1: Just so you can put a weight to hang from your foot, like you're uh, having one hang from your hand, uh, essentially, yeah, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, That would, I guess so.
1: So you're going to be just pumping? Just going to be
0: grinding, bro.
1: Have you been doing much already? What kind yeah, of stuff so did he have you on? Yeah, so gave a
0: bunch of stuff I can do. Like when I'm laying kind of flat in bed um, to do like these breathing exercises where... Like, on my exhale, I, like, push my shoulders, like, straight towards the ceiling.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and that will trigger, I forget what muscle group, but it's, like, all the... So, my, my so you're basically, looking... Yeah, what like, are you
1: looking to achieve?
0: Like, I want to get better balance. So,
1: so, you need, like, some core strengthening and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and, like, the the kind of the secondary muscles, like, on the sides yeah. and, like, back your shoulders and stuff. Um Cause like my bicep is super strong, right? But my tricep is like barely even there.
1: Yeah, because you know, um, you're just using one muscle all the time.
0: Well, yeah, it's just because I mean, like the level of my injury is like the tricep doesn't work very well, but it works a little bit. So,
1: dude, the more you fire uh, it, the better, yeah. the stronger it's gonna get.
0: Exactly, exactly. So he, yeah, he, he just uh, showed me a bunch of different things I could do. I
1: mean, you'd be um, surprised in a in a person's body even people that aren't paralyzed on the muscles that don't fire that don't work right. because we just don't use them. Yeah. Exactly. And then your body starts to overcompensate and that's how you get injured, man.
0: Yeah. So, so we're back at training, bro. Hell yeah. Yeah. As, soon but, as, um, uh, yeah. as soon as I get these. Uh, so
1: you, what are you, you, and you wanted what?
0: So I'm going to get up at the standing table. Yeah. And I'm going to try to nice. start yeah. doing that like multiple times a week. And you know, he said, Nick said, you know, there's a good chance you're going to be like, have some kind of like osteo something diagnosis, like maybe not osteoporosis, but like there's some other brittle bone. Like you are
1: going to have some yeah. weaker bones yeah, because but
0: he said, you know, that the only way to build those back up is to start, you know, like maybe I do five minutes standing up instead of 30 minutes standing yeah. up to start out with and just kind of build my way up. <sighs> um, Dang, which that's yeah, going to be excited. a lot,
1: dude, but you got it. You got it, dude.
0: I'm excited, bro. Um, yeah and uh brandon i wanted i got a gift box in the mail this last week i did post about this on uh instagram and facebook i've seen it but uh yeah man i want to just give a a big thank you to to eddie and chris canalis down there at the gridiron heroes in texas Mm. um you know they sent a hoodie and a t-shirt all the swag all the swag we need some live to walk there's a documentary about the, about the program and it's very cool i'm i'm super thankful i wonder
1: where where you can and we'll put a link in the description to their site again so you can because i that that video yeah the dvd yeah yeah people need to check that out
0: absolutely yeah they're the documentary about them um, and then once we
1: get some live the walking in merch we're gonna shoot them back some
0: absolutely we are
1: we uh we can do that
0: yep and uh yeah, so we'll be we'll be grinding with with those guys, man, forever. They're 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 the best. That's like, cool, man. man. They're so.
1: It's so it's so, good. so awesome when people like continue to think of us.
0: Yeah, oh, I man. just I was that, that was so nice of that man for just sure. Just like
1: Nick following up, and then these guys the send That's over what, swag. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we're gonna man. rep it for you over here every time.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Brandon, one time
1: actually, one time Jeremy, we did have some swag.
0: I still have like seven T-shirts. And we
1: remember we gave one to Michael Rappaport. We did, and and also. And Jay Moody, and we also gave one to Flesh and Bone. We did of the of the group Bone Thugs and Harmony. Absolutely. So.
0: Yeah, man, we got you know we got uh we got. But we probably need to redesign
1: them, but that's all right.
0: We we're 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 working on it. It's gonna it's coming. Don't don't you worry. We're gonna all of you are gonna be buying T-shirts in no time. Um, but all yeah. the merch all the merch yeah so Brandon uh this week like always uh we had I had an incredible interview um
1: best interview ever
0: I mean they all are bro it's so nice to uh to be able to connect with different different folks in in and around the community here so um this week we had uh a gentleman named Caesar Flores um who is uh, a C five incomplete quadriplegic, but um, he's also a rapper
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and he's musician. Good too, by the way,
0: and he's really good, man. Uh, his his name on like if you look him up on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you want to listen to music at, uh, it's True Story, but it's T R U U Story, all one word. And uh, his album is called Rise, which uh, I feel like is. So a, it's great I mean it's really really good and I suggest anybody go check it out yeah there's
1: a lot of uh, meaning in that right
0: yeah exactly could Uh, be
1: could have um, a lot of meanings right you know we can rise up above this above the storm can get up out of our chairs. Yeah, you know it's cool, man. I like
0: it. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's doing. Yeah, I mean he's doing amazing stuff. He's got another another project coming out soon. Like this one just came out in 2020. Um, I think he said October. So like towards the end of 2020, he said he's already like next month probably bringing out another uh, album. Oh, he's grinding but, then. But yeah, he's just putting out putting out music cr- like crazy. That's what you got to do, man. Yeah, and That's uh, so you can catch a buzz that way. Yep. So um yeah caesar's the man he's uh he's also on uh like all of his social media he's on twitch he's a big gamer too so um i think he his uh his handle for all of his social media is kc beasts which is k-a-y-c-e-e-b-e-a-s-t-s uh we'll put a link to all that in in the description for the podcast too but um yeah check out uh check out caesar here and uh I think you'll enjoy it. We'll talk to you on the other side. All right, this week on the Live to Walk Again podcast, we are very excited to welcome Cesar Flores, who uh, is known as KC Beasts on uh, on all of his uh, social media handles. He's a musician and uh, C5 incomplete incomplete quadriplegic. Uh, Cesar, welcome to the podcast, bro. I'm glad to have you on.
2: Hey, how's it going, brother? Um, good to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks. So, you know, anybody who doesn't already know, I guess how you were injured. Um, you know, you give us kind of like an overview of what what exactly happened, how long ago. Of course, of course.
2: Of yeah, um, it sounds crazy. So, like, I want to start this story with like a. It's it was a dark and stormy night. Um, but it really wasn't. It was a. It was more like a movie than anything, man. That day, um, was pretty remarkable how it happened, and pretty much, um, I was injured in a car accident. And what happened was me and my friends, well, I live in California. So I don't know if you, uh, what what city do you live in?
0: I'm in Olympia, Washington.
2: Okay. So I'd imagine it's pretty similar in a sense of like distance, you know, um, out here in California, you need a car for everything. So (laughs) regardless of where you're going, you know, um, things are, they're a bit away. And I live in Palmdale, California, which is about 45 minutes north of uh, like, the Valley and Los Angeles region and whatnot. So, in order to like go out and do anything, um, as a young adult, you really have to drive down towards you know Hollywood area, just just kind of where like things are happening, right? Uh-huh. So, me and my friends decided. Uh, well, I didn't decide. Uh, I was at home making music, so I, I literally just got done making a song, and um, I was not going to pack it in for the night. I was going to chill and relax. I get a phone call from uh, a really good friend of mine at the time, and he's like, "Dude." Let's go out tonight. And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't really want to go out. Well, I just I was I was tired. You know, I got I spent like two or three hours working. And um, I just didn't want to do anything. But for some reason, he just kept, you know, pushing me. And I was like, you know what? Let's go out. I'm young, whatever. 23 years old at the time. We end up going out. And long story short, we end up drinking a lot. And I never really get in cars with people who drink and drive. It's just one of my basic rules. But that night I happened to be so drunk. I didn't even realize, you know, how, uh, how intoxicated my friend was. So uh, and I kind of say it laughing now, but it was really serious when it happened. So don't ever take it as like a joke. You know, it's just uh, I have a terrible way of making jokes out of uh, terrible situations. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, anyway, so he ended up drinking a little too much, too. And um, my friends ended up throwing me in the back of the car. Without my seatbelt on, um, and I say friends loosely because uh yeah, friends should never put you in a car without your seatbelt, right? Yeah. But you should also be con- uh, you know conscious enough to put your own seatbelt on. Right. So was, you know, I, I really don't blame anybody. Um, it's kind of like the whole situation kind of led to what happened. We ended up crashing on the freeway coming back home, um, and like I said, I was thrown to the back seat, like the back passenger side. And I had my head in my lap. So, on impact, my head hit the back of the seat. Now, um, this is the beautiful thing about God. For some reason, um, I was pretty in and out of consciousness. So, the whole situation kind of felt like, like I said, like a dream or like a movie, you know? Um, After going out, you know, we're dancing with girls, we're buying girls drinks. It feels like, like I said, a movie. We are particularly the coolest guys in the, in the room or, or so we think we are and we're having a good old time and then all of a sudden I wake up to a loud crash because I remember hearing a loud crash but I don't remember feeling anything and then I kind of remember being on the floor um, outside of the car so at this point I'm assuming um, and what I was told from one of my friends who was in the car was two of my friends pulled me out of the car And ended up just kind of just talking to me and uh, kind of just keeping me alive. So one of my friends was asking me, you know, my cat's name, my dog's name, my little sister's name. And the whole time I was responding. And I remember responding to him um, like it was yesterday. And I was just telling him, you know, all these uh, um, important names in my life just to kind of keep me, you know, um, up and alive. Um, Paramedics arrived and whatnot. Um, Well, the cops arrived first and the paramedics arrived. They ended up rushing me. Um, down to ICU. And I, I end up passing out again in the, um, the dang ambulance. And then once we get to the hospital, I end up you know seeing my brother there. And I still don't really know what happens. And this is a really common thing with spinal cord injuries from what I hear is uh, you don't really know you suffered a spinal cord injury, even when they tell you. So somebody could tell you like you're paralyzed. And those words don't really mean much because it's still so new to you. So literally doctors and nurses were like, you're paralyzed. Cause I kept trying to get up. So my brother was there. I remember hearing his voice and I just I'm telling him, I'm sorry. And I'm like, let's go home, bro. Let's go home. And then he's just like, I can't, we can't go home. We cannot go home, bro. And uh, I keep telling him, no, we're going home. And, and at that point, the nurse is a, I guess a nurse practitioner, she uh, she yells at me. And, uh, and uh, you know, some people would think this was mean, but I understand why she did it. But she yelled at me and she says, Caesar, you're paralyzed. Stop trying to get up. And that moment kind of like registered in my head as like, a whoa, what are you saying? She's like, you broke your neck. And I said, whoa, what do you mean I broke my neck? And I end up passing out again. Right. Come to to my mother um, in, 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 in the emergency room. And she's just, you know, she's crying. My grandma's there. Everybody's there. Um, and like I said, it's just, it's something that doesn't really hit you until after. So I would say, honestly, for the first two or three weeks, I didn't really know the severity of the situation. Like I knew I suffered a a life changing accident, but I didn't know it was going to literally change my, you know, my physical life. I thought I'd be healed, come out of this. And all of a sudden, you know, I'd be fine again. It would have been a huge um I guess a book bookmark in, in in my chapter of life but it ended up being something so much bigger than that where I had to um you know relearn everything and say similar to you you know I'm sure you know once you once you go through something like this you have to really adjust your thinking to um you know not who you thought you were kind of who you are now and you go from there so that's right run down you know
0: yeah no I hear you man I, I do um how so how long did you end up having to stay in the hospital and like go like how long was your rehab and things like that and where Where did you um were you able to go back to like a hospital near palmdale or were you uh somewhere else like
2: yeah okay so um man i got it's it's, it's like i said it's always crazy to me how you know god in the universe works and whatever you believe in it's it's just so crazy how that works because i um we ended up crashing on the exit that was a straightaway to the hospital in between Los Angeles and Palmdale, and that hospital is called Henry Mayo. So Henry Mayo Hospital is in Valencia, uh, California. It's like I said, Valencia is like a small. It's, it's where it's a it's where Six Flags Magic Mountain is. So okay. it's like a small town um, in between my town and the city city. Um, so, like I said. Where I crashed at, it was the exit right before it being like a straightaway, exactly to where I needed to go for them to help me. So I ended up, you know, in Henry Mayo for about two months and some change. Now, initially, when I when I got there, um, the I guess the head surgeon, he wanted to do the surgery right away. So he was really adamant about doing the surgery right away. So the first thing they did is they went ahead and they tried to stabilize me with the halo. So they put the halo around my head. Um, and that's when it kind of felt a little more real because I was right away. But I still didn't really know, like, you know, what a spinal cord injury entailed. Like I said, I figured I'd be healed within a couple weeks. But um, it's, they put the halo on. And then I guess this is a funny story, too. A little dark, but funny. They... uh. <laughs> They didn't get the MRI before my halo, mm-hmm. so they had to get the MRI while I had the halo on. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you know you know anything about like magnetic machines. Yeah, but it's not good to have metal on when you're <laughs> when you're in one. <laughs> so I remember them putting me through the MRI, and literally the screws just felt like they were piercing uh-huh. every part of my yeah. skull as. And I, and I, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really talk. I was just like moving uh, flailing an arm, whatever. And I guess the, whoever runs that machine, he pulls me out and he's like, are you okay? What's going on? You know, you're moving a lot. And I'm like, I'm going crazy in here. I just start like moving my, I can't really say much, but I'm, I'm letting him know this is extremely painful. Yeah. So he's like, we have to do this one more time. So anyways, they get the whole MRI done. Um, you, you know, They see it right there. Okay, um, I have a spinal cord injury. They see the level, and at that moment, they want to, you know, go on with the surgery. Now, the the head respiratory therapist at the time, he tells me, or he tells not me. He tells my family and he tells the doctors because everybody's in the room, and he says, if you guys do this surgery on him right away and you don't let his body at least recover a little bit, his lungs are going to collapse. And we're going to have to put them on a ventilator. So they ended up saying, screw it. We're going to go ahead and uh, do it anyways. So they do the whole, um, you know, the surgery. And like he said, within an hour, my lungs collapsed. So then they have to rush me to another emergency surgery. And this is where, you know, the story gets even more dark because up until that point, you know, I was eating like soups and stuff in the hospital, even with tubes down my neck and stuff like that, or down my, down my throat. They were still, you know, allowing me to have some sort of food. Um, and then, like I said, they put me on a ventilator. And I don't know about – like, were you on a ventilator too for your accident?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So you know the feeling. Being on a ventilator feels like you are an artificial human. Right. It, it, it literally puts you into a place of, like, am I robotic or am I real? Because you're breathing, but you don't feel like it – you know, I, I compare it to um, to scuba diving. I've been scuba diving as a kid. And I remember breathing through the oxygen take and it feels exactly like that. You know, you're breathing artificial air. Um, and and you're not pumping your lungs for you initially. So, you know, they put me on this, uh, ventilator and like you said, I'm a musician, I'm a rapper. So here I am on this ventilator thinking, how am I ever going to use my voice again? Because the first thing they tell you after is he might not ever be able to talk again. He might not ever be able to use his voice again. And, um, that was one of the biggest things that I had to like figure out how to do again. So I remember that. And it was a couple of weeks, you know, before I got it off and um, thank God I'll, I'll never forget the person, but I forgot his name. I'm terrible at names, but I, I forgot his name. He told me um, one, of, one of the respiratory therapists while I was, you know, he was giving me my breathing treatment. He looked at me and he's like, Hey brother, do you want to get off this? And I, and I just, I, I shook my head. Yes. And he said, I'm going to need you to work work really, really hard right now. And he's like, I'm going to put this on, I guess, a a harder mode for you. I don't know necessarily the terminology, but he was going to put it on like a low air mode where it's not pumping as much oxygen into my lungs and it's forcing me to do more work. You know, you know how it goes. So, so they, so they did that and one day i'd be on for five minutes next day i'd have it off for 20 minutes the next day it'd go back down to five and then an hour and then i remember one day i literally told myself i'm never going back on this damn breathing machine ever again and that was literally the last day that they ever had to put you know um that breathing machine on all the way i was able to kind of just have like free air blowing into the you know the trach whatever and i was doing the work myself with my own lungs so that's when things started to change. I, um, and that's probably around like, you know, a month and a half in, and this is when like, they're getting really, um, I guess my insurance isn't really covering my, my hospital stay as much anymore. So the, 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 the hospital staff is like pushing my family to get out. And this is crazy. Like, they're just like telling us like, all right, well, you know, we're going to take him to uh, an acute facility where he can, uh pretty much live out the rest of his life. They'll take care of him. They'll do everything you guys can visit him. And my my mother and my grandmother laughed in their face and was like, yo, we're not going anywhere. And so you guys send us where we need to go. Because we kept hearing about this place that was like, you know, it was like heaven. And it was called Rancho Los Amigos National um, Rehabilitation Center, you know, and it was a spinal cord injury um, facility that specializes in spinal cord injuries. And that was like the main place that um, the physical therapist that I was working with, because I mean, my my spirit has always been hungry, regardless of you know spinal cord injury or not. So when this happened, the physical therapist that I was working with, they'd come in once a day, and they they work with you for like twenty minutes at a time. Um, this is at like any regular hospital, right? So they're working with me, and they tell me, hey, um. You need to get to Rancho, like like we see how much you how much drive you have, how, you know how hard you work, and at this point they're telling like they're telling my family like man this kid he needs to get there because that's going to be the best place to show him, you know how to live again, and in my head all I was thinking is oh they're going to show me how to walk again I have to get there they're going to show me how to walk I have to get to this place yeah. if I don't get to this place I'm not going to walk again you know and um we pretty much forced the hospital's hand to where like. They had to um, get us a space or a bed or whatever at Rancho Los Amigos because they kept telling us, you know, it's full, it's full, there's a waiting list, we can't get you there. You're going to have to go to an acute facility. And we just kept telling them, no, we're going to wait. So little by little, they moved us from, like, you know, ICU to, like, a secondary faci- uh, a secondary care unit, and then we got released to, like, a multiple-room facility in, in Henry Mayo. And by that time, like I said, I know my insurance wasn't covering my stay, so they were like, "No, well, we have to get this kid over to Rancho Los Amigos. So finally, after about two and a half months, we got to Rancho Los Amigos. and that's where I spent another, you know, month and a half um, and some change around there, just rehabbing, learning how to play with blocks with my fingers, how to, you know, use tino with my hands, um, and transferring little by little doing certain workouts and like physical therapy that would allow me to I guess reinvigorate whatever muscles worked and establish connections and ones that didn't um and just you know just learn how to live again as you know so I spent about total to answer your question finally I know after that long old story uh (laughs) I spent about three and a half to, to four months um away from home right after you know my accident
0: wow man that's yeah, that's a long that's a long time what year did you get injured
2: 2016 oh, okay. january 30th was the official day um because uh we uh you know yeah it was like january 30th january 29th is when me and my friends went out but on the 30th is when we technically crashed around like 12 or 1 in the morning so
0: right yeah gotcha well, yeah, um, you know, now that we got through that, all the all the kind of tough stuff, man, I want to talk about, um, you know, your music you mentioned, you know, when they were saying that you might not be able to talk again, things like that, and all the things going through your head as a musician, as a rapper, like what, um, like first, like when did you start, um, start making music to, to begin with?
2: Yeah, so uh, I started rapping in 2010. And, um, that happened because, uh, this is a funny story too. I, uh, I was just, I just graduated from high school, had no idea what I wanted to do. My mom pretty much told me, Hey, you're either going to go to the military, you're going to get a full-time job, or you're going to go to junior college. Cause I really didn't have the grades to get into a university. So I chose to go to junior college. And at the same time, I was smoking a lot of weed. I don't know if you, uh, <laughs> if, uh, this is like a weed friendly podcast or not. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're we're weed friends.
2: (laughs) Sick. Okay, so, bro, I was 17, smoking all the weed that I could find and supporting my habit by, like, selling, like, 10 sacks to my friends and stuff. You know, I was, like, thinking I was, like, drug dealer or short on air, really not making no money. Um, And I got pulled over by the cops when I was two weeks before my birthday. This is why I always say God works in weird ways because I think everything, you know. It happens for a reason as long as you as you make that reason known later on, you know, and you find that reason, I think. So, like I said, like two weeks before my birthday, um, I got I got pulled over and this is like I have like four or five separated, you know, bags of weed. Um, cops ended up taking me in. And because I was a minor, the judge was like, I'm not going to charge you, but you have to stay um, completely clear of, of law for six months. And if you can do that, I'll drop this case completely. And then I had like a, you know, a probation officer too. And it was like, it was a whole thing. But I remember after that happened, I, um, I was sitting in my room and I put a, I don't know, I don't know what possessed me to do this, That it's crazy. I still don't know how it really happened, but I put on a Drake beat and, uh, I just started writing what I thought. And it was just like, uh, it was a really corny, you know, line it was like, men lie, women lie, but F and I ain't tripping. Um, you go out to the club at night, with something you a Christian. And that was like my first ever bar that I ever wrote. And I was like, man, this is pretty good. And I thought it was, I thought it was extraordinary. And so I was like, man, I'm, I'm great. So I just wrote, I wrote the whole like, you know, 16 bars or whatever. And I ended up showing my, um, you know, my family. I was like, oh, look at this, is what I'm doing this is what I did. And they were like, oh, this is pretty good. You know, you should keep doing it. And I just kind of took that as like, oh, like they're just saying I'm good. But I did hear something in my voice, and I remember, I remember, I remember that. Um, I remember people at that moment, people didn't really like the sound of my voice too much. They were like, you know, you're okay, but you know, work on your delivery, work on your tone. So I did that, and I literally just started recording music. I took my first college refund check. Um, thank you, financial aid. <laughs> <laughs> I took that check. I bought myself a Mac computer. Um, it's crazy, the computer. It's messed up now. It's right there. You see it right there? Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, I see it. So
2: that's literally my computer, my first ever one that I got. It doesn't even turn on anymore. I haven't turned it on in forever. I just have it there because I figure there's still so much stuff in there that I could, like, tweak and mess with yeah. and eventually go through. Um, I'm just a terrible person, and, and I have so much to do right now with other things that I haven't gone through it. So I need to do that eventually, though. But But anyways, I started in 2010, and really, bro, I just – I focused on my craft more than anything. I told myself, yo, you have to just write and um and write and and record. So I bought myself a computer. I bought myself a little mini interface, which is just software that allows you to record and get the sound through. Mm-hmm. Um, um little microphone and I just went to work. I found YouTube instrumentals and just started recording what i could and then all of a sudden i had 12 songs and then i released my first project on soundcloud uh and like that piff which is like a mixtape it was it was a really old mixtape website i don't really know if it's used as much anymore um but i did that and then i just kept doing that i kept releasing some music and and for some reason i just i started noticing like amongst my peers that like you know people that created music as well they weren't putting as much music out and i was like dude i'm making 12 songs a week dude and I just kept doing that I just kept working on that and like they probably weren't all the greatest but like I started to realize like man I have like 300 songs here and then like it just jumped up to more and higher numbers and I was able to put together before my accident I think I dropped a total of six different mixtapes all between 12 and like 16 songs each this is when people wanted more music and not less. So like, you know, people wanted like 16 songs on a, on a mixtape or it wasn't good. Now people want like four to seven or it's too much, you know? So, so I did that. And then I started working on shows and it was pay, pay to play at first. So what you would do is you'd go to like a venue or like a, like a booking agency, right? And They'll be like, okay, open up for this artist, and, uh, you know, we'll give uh, – and you pay, uh, you know, a lump sum lump of, like, $450. We give you 20 tickets, and you can sell them at $20 a piece, and that's how you make your money back, right? You give them to your friends and family whatever. Nobody wants to buy a damn ticket. So <laughs> so, my first major show – I mean, I opened up for Warren G. That was a big one. I opened up for um, Pac-Div. It's a really big West Coast group. Shout out to Pat Dave. That's like my that's like my big brothers, man. Um I opened up for Currency. That was like another huge one because currency is really, really big in like the hip hop community. Um I opened up for volume ten later on. I did a, a a tour with this kid named Fora. He uh he's blowing up right now too. He's a young kid. He's probably not young He anymore, like twenty twenty-three. What am I talking about? Young, but <laughs> But he was young when I was, you know, 20, 20 years old. He was like 17, 16. He was blown up then. And now he has a really big following too. So um, I did a lot of those shows. But like I said, it was all pay to play. I remember selling my tickets in line, you know, for the currency event. And like I was literally outside. Um, there was this, cl- this club is called the Key Club. It's really famous for like, you know, show venues. It, it, it was really big. Um, but that was the last show that they held there. And I was lucky enough to be a part of that. But I remember selling, you know, uh, tickets in the line to people for, like, half price. Like, hey, man, I promise this ticket's going to get you in. I, I, I used to be like, yeah, I'm going on before this dude. You know, check me out. And it's just, it was cool to see that grind go from me paying to play. And then eventually I started getting, like, you know, invited to shows free from, like, you know, the, the underground and, like, the not-so-mainstream community the hip hop community out here in like, um, Southern California region. So like little by little, I would do these events. Um, and it was under like, you know, pretty decent artists. So like I got really good exposure and to the point where like, eventually they started calling me like, Hey man, you know, we'll pay you 50 bucks to come perform. We'll do this, pay you 200 bucks, hundred bucks here. And like, it went from like me paying to all of a sudden I wasn't paying anything to being invited to them, like wanting to pay me. And I was like, "Yo, this is crazy." So then that all that happened, bro. And all I could think to myself was like, "Yo, I'm next. I'm next." Because um, I really believed in my craft, and I still believe in my craft. So one thing I always put first was the music, and I always believed like, "Yo, if your music's good, if your sound is good, if your craft, if you put time into your craft, um, you're gonna you're, you're gonna get back the fruits of your labor." regardless because people are gonna have to it's like it's like when you hear something beautiful for the first time I don't care who you are if you hear something that you enjoy it it takes like your breath away and your attention is forced to look at it so like I really wanted my you know my music to sound like that to where you couldn't really you you could hate me but you couldn't hate on what I was doing and Mm -hmm. and you know that was one thing that I really prided myself on was like you know, I took the I took the long route and it got me so far, not necessarily to the top of the game, but it, it was able to give me like a taste of like what hard work will give you um, if you work hard enough for it. So, like, I just kept doing that, you know, and that was my that was my journey.
0: So you said you went from making like 10 to 12 songs a week like before your accident. When were you able to, to actually start, like, writing? And, and, I mean, I guess you could have been writing the whole time. But when were you able to start actually making music again afterwards?
2: Now, trauma? I think this is my thing. I'm a very much so, like, I create off of life, you know. And, and, and I think a lot of artists like to, like, think of themselves as, like, so much more artistic than they are. <laughs> but a lot of, you know, a lot of us are. And I think because, for me, like, I have to live through things. So I couldn't create physically after my accident for like two years, two and a half years, my breath wouldn't let me, I literally, you know, the the conversation that I'm having with you right now would have been impossible. As you know, like we can talk a lot longer than we can right after accident. You're, you're, you're trying to find your breathing. You're like in between words, don't know when to like gasp for air. It's, it's, it's a huge thing. And it took me about two and a half years after my accident, but I wasn't writing either. You know, I was just living in the moment. I was just going through um, the struggles because this is so real that I think I couldn't ignore what was happening to me or try to ignore it. I really forced myself and still do to live in the moment because it makes my music better. And it makes me, um, not even just my music, it just makes me understand emotion and value different emotions. Um, I think we live in a time period where like, everybody wants to be happy all the time. And everybody wants everything to be how they see it on the internet. And, and the way you see it on the internet is always somebody's best foot forward. And it's always somebody giving you, um, light into like what they want to show you based off what they think you want to see. So it's literally a sham. And almost always that makes people depressed, anxious, Um, and and it gives them a sense of like less self-worth. And because of that, I think that like it, it really devalues us as humans. So for me, I'm like, if I don't live through this and I don't go through this for real, how could I really understand what real pain is? What real suffering is? What real anxiety is? Because I can be anxious about something, but. I always remind myself like this isn't the end all be all. And because I think we've been through so much, you know, going through spinal cord injuries, you start to understand that emotions are a very necessary part of like the wave of life. You know, you're going to have ups and downs. And that's my biggest, you know, thing now is that like I can use those up and downs to create better music rather than ignore them, you know?
0: Yeah, so, you know, this morning I listen. I've probably listened to it twice over, man. Um, Your new album, I guess it came out in 2020, your album Rise. Yes, sir. Um, which, yeah, like, what, um, you know, how long did that, I guess, how long did that album take to put together?
2: Um, Rise, okay, Rise was a, Rise is literally the epitome of my life journey thus far. Um So, like, when I put it out in my head, I was like, I don't care if this gets two views or two million, because... It's a a body of work that I believe um, anybody can go back to and find inspiration through because it's so clear with my message of like perseverance um, early on. But it's also not just about like I don't specifically talk only about like, you know, my injury and I kind of just do it subliminally at times. Um, I think I what I've learned about music is like you have to relate to people on their level. And the best way you can do so is just by being honest about what you feel. So whether I'm creating about you know losing a, a girlfriend or I'm creating about losing the ability to walk, I think the emotion of loss and what that makes people feel is universal. So with Rise, I wanted to create a body of work that not only you know, shows you like, you no, know, this is me, this is what happened to me. But I also wanted you to understand like, you know, there's, there's songs in there that aren't just about spinal cord injuries or like overcoming that odd, you know, there's, 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 there's songs in that project about overcoming the loss of, you know, women overcoming the loss of what you thought was important. There's, you know, songs about, um, my, my family and then they're overcoming, um, just being part of a system that leaves, you know, black and brown people to be disenfranchised. And, and, that, and that's one of those things that, like, I, I wanted to relate on that level where it's like, and not even just black and brown people, because it is that, but it's just you're able to connect with people's, like, wanting to understand why the world is the way it is. That's kind of like what that, what that project meant for me. It meant me telling people like, yo, this is what I come from. And this is what drives me to be so driven. So the, the title rise literally means that like, um, you know, rise, like rise, not just above your circumstance, but above whatever you are, you know, whatever's holding you back and whatever you're holding yourself from back, you know, back from, you know,
0: yeah yeah i you know and you can you can just hear like your heart and soul in that in the in that album man i mean it's it's uh thank you bro a, i appreciate that beautiful project bro I, I i salute you for sure man it's uh it's good like I, I like i said i listened to it back and forth and my my co-host brandon i was actually on the phone with him when i started playing it and he was just like that he's like that's the <laughs> thing you're about to interview i'm like yeah man he's like damn that sounds good so I passed it over to him too, and he's listening to it. So yeah, man, you got definitely got a couple of uh, fans in, in me and Thank Brandon. You, so you know, you uh,
2: you know what, too, bro. Honestly, like I I really wanted the spinal cord injury community to have a project that I feel like they could relate to, too. Because like like I said, there's like there's there's one song in their part, like specifically, that I um you know the first verse is about you know losing a woman and like you know, and it's not like not saying like oh I lost a woman. So like now my, oh my God, like losing, you know, just, just, just somebody that you love. And the second verse is about, you know, a friend of mine who, um, this guy, he's a little older than me and he was in a spinal cord injury, just like us, you know, you know, and he, um, he went through this, but he came to a point of his life where like, he felt he already reached the, the pinnacle of his success. You know, he owned Whatever he wanted to own already. He was able to travel. He was a ladies' man. He felt like his life was the best life ever. And then his spinal cord injury happened. And he doesn't want to live anymore. You know, I've had debates with him where he tells me, like, you know, how can you pretend to be happy? Um and you know what you lost and stuff. And it's like, you know, what I try to tell him is like it's not about what you had, but it's like about, you know, the lessons that life is always gonna put you through. And, and it sounds so cookie cutter when I think about it, but it really is reality. Like, you're going to be put through so much anyways that like, why not use your journey to help somebody else instead of giving up? And I, it, 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 like I said, the, there's, there's just a point where you have to reach, where you have to tell yourself like, yo, I can overcome without ending it all. And that's one thing that like, I really wanted to get through to like our community. Like this isn't, this isn't suffering to the extent of, like, it's over and it's never going to be better. Like, there's always going to be a brighter tomorrow as long as you push towards that, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. Actually, um, like, a month ago or so, I had a, a guy on uh, the show named uh, Jorge Sierra, and he does motivational – this dude is, like, the most motivational person you'll ever meet. And uh, he, in his presentation to, like, schools and things like that – it's all uh, his kind of mantra is like, what's your wheelchair? Cause like we have, you can see our wheelchair, right? You can see yeah. our problems. Like the people that you, I love that, you can't, that
2: sounds can't so dope. See, yeah.
0: Yeah. The people that you can't see what their problems are. And it's like lurking below the, the surface. That's what, you know, you, everybody's dealing with something, right? So this is, yeah. this is just what we have to deal with.
2: I love that. Um, And it's, and that's such a, it's such a true, you know, powerful, know saying what's your wheelchair because for the most part that's what it, like i've noticed like when you're happy in a wheelchair it's genuine yeah. when i meet people who are happy in wheelchairs i've never met one and been like man that mother that mother is lying he is <laughs> he is not really happy because i know like what it takes to overcome this and just to be like screw it i don't care i'm not gonna let this define me and i think a lot of people who don't have their you know issues written all over their chest or you know they're not visible like their wheelchair isn't there they they don't know how to how to just live in the moment and be happy a lot of the time because it's just a little harder to tune into i don't know what it is you know um before my accident i would have never thought of, like a wheelchair it's so funny man um there's another crazy I, mean, I used to work at olive garden as a server
0: uh-huh
2: and uh I remember this one time, and like I said, I always say awkward, terrible, <laughs> terrible things in <laughs> moments that you don't need to. So I don't know what possessed me to do this, but I remember there was a, t- and, and and I would say this to like certain tables all the time, but like, you know, when you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that right now because it won't sound right. Um, I, I just ignored that. But usually all white people be like, oh, how, how are you doing today, sir? Like, how's your day going? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How's your day going? You know, they'll ask me that. And I'm like, man, I'm blessed. My legs work. My arms work. I, I, and I would literally say this. I remember saying this, like, this was a thing of mine where like, I would be like, man, like, like everything works. I'm good. You know, I'm healthy. Right. It's like, that's pretty much what I'm trying to say is I'm healthy. So I'm blessed.
0: Yeah.
2: I remember one time I walked up to this table and I'm like grating cheese for them because I just delivered their food. I was, it wasn't my table. I was running food for another, for another one of my coworkers. And The guy's like, hey, how you doing today, young man? And I'm like, I'm great. You know, my legs work, my arms work. And I look, and the woman next to him is in a damn wheelchair, bro. (laughs) So, like, it was so insensitive. And to this day, I'm always like, I wish I could meet that woman and give her a hug and be like, yo, I did not mean that like that. I'm sorry, but... I, I just said it, grated my cheese, and walked away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was just like, all right. Oh man, I mean, but I I've never, heard, man. When you're, yeah, like in this situation, man, we know, we know what it is, man. People sometimes either you don't realize what you're saying, or yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they don't hold it against you. I think that's why I don't
2: hold it against people now, too. Yeah, I think that's also something that we have to kind of fix. Um, we're like in like a blame culture society right now, and like yeah. I'm not against cancel culture if you deserve to be canceled right but i'm very much so on the idea of second chances where like people deserve second chances so when somebody does something that i feel like oh you're insulting me on like an ableist level i don't take it as personal unless your intentions are to hurt me that's when it's like a whole different level of like if i can understand your intention i'm like oh your intention is to do that okay now i can put you in your place but if your intention was to make me feel good, like, you know, people still be like, man, you're going to walk again. And like, I believe that I'll walk again, whether it's on my own will, whether it's with science and, you know, um what, what's to come in the future with technology. I, I believe that that's, that's definitely, the opportunity is going to be available. I, I I don't think this is the end that'll be off for any of us, period. Um, Because I believe in science and I believe in God and I believe in all that. So whatever the case may be, I believe that's going to happen. But I know when somebody tells me like, yo, like don't even try, like you're gonna walk again. Even though like sometimes people who are in wheelchairs are like, well, what does that mean? That I'm less of a person because I'm in a wheelchair? Not necessarily. It's just like they know that you hold value to this opportunity to like, you know, gain something that you've lost. So like when somebody tells me that, I don't take that as like, oh, you're trying to tell me that I'm less of a person because I'm in a wheelchair. You're just saying that the opportunity to do something that I love to do is going to be available again.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a, it's a good way of looking at things, man. You can't, uh, you can't give up. Right. And that's the, that's the most important thing.
2: I, I think just making sure that you are happy because like not everybody wants to walk again and that's cool. Um, but I do believe like, um, walking is such a, it's, it's like a, it, it could be a metaphor for so much where it's like, it's not just physically walking, but it's like getting back to doing what you loved again. That's why making music again was so important for me because like, you know, your podcast like Live to Walk, you know, like it's it's, it's something more than just than just, you know, running up a mountain. Like that's, that's, I, I cannot wait to run up a mountain again, you know, whether it be in this life or the next, I cannot wait to to go hiking again. I cannot wait to to do things that you know, empower me physically on that level again. Um, because I still, you know, I still train, I still work out. And that's what's gotten me to where I'm at now, luckily. But, like, I don't, I don't believe that this is uh, just, I don't believe that this is going to define me to the point to where, like, I should believe, like, I'm really paralyzed. Like, I know my body's paralyzed, but, like, mentally, I'm free as a damn bird, you know? Yeah.
0: That's beautiful, man. That is, That's so awesome. I wanted to know, like, you know, back to the album, uh, Rise. I wanted to know, so the, I guess the out, al- like, it's not like album cover, or whatever. The picture on Spotify for the album yeah. is, uh, a, like, a, a, I guess, a, a profile picture of your X-ray with the, with the, <laughs> with the screws and the plates. And I think that's so dope, man. Like, that's such a good idea. Like, what made you, you know, where'd that come from? See, I knew
2: when I was in when I was in the rehab hospital. I knew, like, I was going to make music again, especially once that tray came out. Mm-hmm. So, like, it hurt. Like, the first time I tried to make music again, it hurt. I, I was brought to tears because, like, I couldn't get my breathing right. So, like, in between words, I would try to say words. And because things wouldn't come out the way I wanted them to, I'd get frustrated. And, like, that's when you're like, man, am I not, you know, am I, am I ever going to be able to rap again? Am I ever going to be able to, to use my, my voice again? And I just remember in the hospital, like I, I told myself, I'm going to record again. And when I do, this is going to be my cover. So like when I was in therapy, one of the um, PTs, he brought up my x-ray on the screen and he was like, and I was like, can I take a picture of that? Can I just, can I just have that? Cause at that moment I was like, when I use my, you know, my voice again, this is going to be my, my cover for my first project. And, Um, I have a really good friend. Her name is Lauren Mooney. Shout out to you, Lauren. Um, She is amazing in the sense of like she uh, makes covers for like graphic designs. I met her at a show one time for my accident and she used to take a whole bunch of pictures um, like for me and stuff after that. So I came to her and was like, hey, I have this idea and I was and and with her. I always tell her like, yo, let me send you the music so you can kind of get the the vibe of what I'm trying to create and then we can go from there. So then I told her like, this is what I'm doing and this is what I want to be the cover. And then she just sent me a whole bunch of fonts and was like, which font do you like the best? And I was like, you know what? I kind of want you to mess with it a little more. And if uh, the first few were okay, but then there was that one that she sent that just felt so perfect. And it just kind of stuck together like glue, you know? So. Um,
0: uh, it's very cool, man. Like that, that's you, such a, that's such a good idea. Like, yeah, I got some, I got some X-rays like that sitting around here somewhere too, or MRI, whatever it is. And yeah, so that's it's just it's a powerful message, man, for your album. So
2: thank you, bro. I think I hope that when people see that, um, and they and they hear the story behind it, because like that's my thing too. Like the artists that I love, you know, I I'm fans of like Tupac, Biggie, Nipsey Hussle, Jay Z, um, J. Cole, Kendrick, Drake, Amy Winehouse, Bob Marley. I can go through so many artists that have influenced me, but one common theme between all of them is when they create, you're forced to listen. So yeah. like, that's one thing that I was like, you know what, I want this project that no matter what, if I die tomorrow, you can always go back to that project and I feel like people can get something from it because the music, um, to me, timeless music is music that you can feel on every level, you know,
0: years I agree, later. I agree a hundred percent. I was going to ask, um, the, the, this just popped in my head, but yeah. um, once the pandemic, are you, so with your breathing, because I know I, I still get like a little winded after talking too much, like straight through, are you able, like, did you have to do the, the album? I mean, obviously you did it in a studio, um, yeah. but are you able to, to like, wrap the the whole album without having to um you know are you gonna be able to go on tour like are once once everything opens back up or or how is that gonna
2: go so here's the thing as far as performing honestly brother i have not performed since my accident so one thing about my music too now like before i could like distract you by like jumping around stage and you know being like extra on stage where like you're like okay he messed up a word here or there no big deal (laughs) So it kind of forced me to like really tune in and fine tune, um, you know, my sound on a personal level. So I will probably be doing shows eventually again, where I'm able to have a different type of ambiance, where like it's more of a personal crowd, where I can pick the songs that feel more intimate because I can project those better, and and I said it just made my music more of that, where I'm having to like you know, give you more of like the artistry than like, you know, the, the distraction, because a lot of the times it's easy to distract people. And now I can't do that. You know, I'm, I'm my whole life is a distraction. My d- damn wheelchair is a distraction. So now I have to tune you in to my craft and I'm going to like, this is my thing. Like whenever, when I, when I record my recording process um, even before my accident, I wasn't really rapping the whole verse anymore because that to me wasn't what um, was going to be like the best bet for me to get the clearest sound. Um, I stopped doing that. And what I started doing was just kind of piecing things up. So like when Lil Wayne records, he'll tell you, yo, I'm recording, you know, the whole 16 bars, whatever. And, he'll tell you that like he's recording that all one go what's really happening is like he's freestyling and the you know the engineer is like pausing it after so every so often so like he'll say um just for like okay so like for me if I say like peace of mind homie ain't con cheat I could have classic out the dome I go and let that bleed I'll say that and then I'll pause and then uh Uh, I forgot the rest of that song, but okay. That's that's like a verse that I had way back, but I'll say that I'll pause and then I'll come back to it and I'll just press record on like the next part and I'll finish whatever I can on that next part. And then after that, I'll go ahead and I'll, you know, I'll, um, I'll kind of like see if it sounds good together. Like people who make music, it's funny. Some of them might be able to like hear the moments of transition um but like most people are like man did you record the whole thing at once like no all of it's pieced up and it's crazy how like how how so much of it is pieced up to where like you really have to pay attention in order to hear that
0: right no that makes that makes a lot of sense man for sure um you know i just had a couple more questions for you here caesar i wanted to uh I guess I wanted to find out, I know you had mentioned, um, that you're, uh, in, uh, I saw on Instagram, you're in your last semester of your undergraduate degree that you had started yeah. uh, before your accident. You finally were able to get back into school and, and are almost done. Uh, what are you, where, where are you studying at and what are you studying?
2: Um, so I currently am a full-time student at CSUN. I'm a senior right now. CSUN is a Cal State University Northridge. Okay. And, um, I am a psychology major, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be minoring in something. Um, I don't know what yet. So the reason why I say I don't know what yet, I have to meet with my counselor and go over what he thinks would be my best bet to kind of keep me on track. I'm supposed to be done with my bachelor's this semester. So I have my bachelor's completely, but I I wanna pursue grad school. So because I'm pursuing grad school, I want to find a minor just so I can make my, you know, um, my application a little stronger and whatnot. Um, but what I really want to do with that is I really want to, you know, help us, our people deal with, you know, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, things of that nature. So, you know, after a spinal cord injury, obviously it's a traumatic accident. This is something that is life-changing and life-altering. And I believe that because it's that, um, a lot of people have a hard time adjusting, right? Right. But if we are able to understand the ins and outs of, like, what can get people back to feeling not quote unquote normal because you'll never be normal again, but back to feeling like you, um, that'll help them, you know, deal with those traumas and you won't have so many um, depressed individuals in wheelchairs, you know, and, and I think that's a huge thing. Like, if we, can be, if we can become successful, you know, or successfully integrated into society you know, hold jobs that give us sense of pride, sense of um, community. Uh, I think that entail will fix the problem of depression and trauma and anxiety after a spinal cord injury.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's amazing. So you're going to go to graduate school for, for psychology as well then?
2: So I'm going to do that. And what I was initially going to do um, and I'm possibly going to do, I want to get, you know, I want to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. Right. Um, and I, w- but I also really want to focus on research and the research side of like coming up with, uh, you know, quantitative and qualitative data that supports, um, a theory that might, like I said, help describe why behavior is the way it is for people with spinal cord injuries. And that has to do with like, like, I'd have to like you know, create questionnaires conduct studies and do stuff like that like that's like the nerdy side of life that I really really enjoy as well too I never thought I would but I really got into it like after my accident where I was like you know what I really enjoy research and um and understanding why humans behave the way they do it, it goes back to my music to like everything about me you know it's 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 the study of the human and like who are we and why we are the way we are you know
0: right no, that, that's very cool, man. That's very cool. And then obviously you're going to keep making music too. You, um, you know, wait, and so when did the, when did the album Rise come out?
2: It came out what? last year around my birthday, I believe around November. Okay. Um, and like I said, I worked on it. You know, mostly people think like that, like with music, you know, you have music and you work on it for like two years, a whole year or whatever, before it comes out. Those eight songs I probably created in a week and a half's time
0: and that was crazy bro (laughs) that is crazy but you see like good man it's like the album is so good that's how like I'm shocked that that you were able to come up with them that quick but
2: you know what it is though is like I I said I create on feeling though so like if if the beat's giving me something and like you know I find like you know this is a a really influential moment in my life I'm able to create around that and like that whole project I just had an idea of like what I wanted to create and I think it was um it was just meant to be. Sometimes music is meant to be. Sometimes it takes time. So there are songs that like I've worked on that'll never come out that are still half finished. There's a whole bunch of, you know, songs that I have in my in my iPad that I just need to work on or like they just give me an idea for a spark. But like it's crazy because like there's songs that like I'll come back to half a year later and they're half finished. And I'm like, damn, I found the perfect verse now all of a sudden. And like, the words just stick together. But I had no idea what I was going to say when I first created it, you know?
0: Right. Right. Wow, man. Well, we're going to be looking for, uh, for more music for, from you, Caesar. Um, real quick, man. Tell everybody uh, before we wrap up here, uh, once again, like tell us all of your social medias. I know you said your casey Beasts is the handle for, for everything. But what all are you on? Okay, so you can find me on
2: Instagram um, under KC Beats, which is K A Y C E E B E A S T S. Now, like I said, I'm going to tell you the funny story against that I told you on the beginning, but um, that's been my uh, my handle since my gamer. That's been my gamer tag on PlayStation since I was like 14. And uh, nobody ever gets to write. Everybody's like KC Beats, or everybody's like, KC beastesses, plural, and and they just don't know how to say it. So I guess it's probably my fault because because I to me it made so much sense, but <laughs> to everybody everybody else it doesn't. So like I said, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can find me on Twitch, which is like you know you know gaming and whatnot. You can find me on YouTube with that. All my stuff anywhere in the world that you'll find me, it'll be under KC beastesses. <laughs>
0: I love it, man. Well, we'll, ta- we'll, uh, we'll attach all of that to the to the podcast when we post it, too. So people can check you out, and uh, we'll, we'll put a link to the album and all of that. Uh, I appreciate
2: that, bro. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you, Cesar Flores, man. This has been a, a great conversation, man. I love uh, love to hear what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to catch up again soon down the road.
2: We will definitely, bro. I appreciate you and everything you do. And uh, the Live the Walk podcast, everything that you stand for. Um, believe me, I think – I think I think as highly of you as you do of me, brother, um, and, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, like I said, anybody who's making a change um, to themselves in order to help other people, I think like that's, you know, Nipsey Hussle once said, you know, I don't know if he said this or somebody, I don't know if he quoted somebody or if he said this, but to inspire is the greatest human act. And whether he was quoting somebody or he said it, um, I believe it. Yeah. And and that's and that's what you do for me too brother so thank you as
0: well. Yeah I appreciate the kind words Caesar yeah and you you're an inspiration over here too man so keep doing keep doing what you're doing and uh yeah we'll we'll link up again.
2: Sounds great my brother. Be easy. You too
0: some rise
2: in the west i probably die for respect superficial with my dreams getting high off the tech probably make it to the league off a diamond attack yeah they want to see me gone i will probably rhyme with the best probably grind for set. if it's love i repent pride on my sleeve leave emotions on the chest lord save them because i ain't really used to chasing famous. now nah, i ain't really used to pointing fingers got my hand up on a stainless like no more you was contagious i leave them six feet no more fighting for envy Within the sunrise in the west, with that changes to you so be your Americas best. Probably solar clips, no masquerade for the limelight. I hear these niggas spittin' shit don't sit right. Nothing in common, just a victim to the sound bite. Go keep that runway clear, your niggas what take the sunrise like. in the
0: west, a probably try for respect. Yeah, probably die for respect. If it... Alright, man, that hey, was a man. little bit of a uh, little bit of Caesar's music there too. I feel uh it. I feel yeah man. You, man, true story. Get go uh, check him out. He's uh he's great, man. I've actually I've been listening to that album pretty steadily all week since uh
1: It's nice man. Was,
0: yeah it's good man. I like it front to back. It's pretty pretty damn good, man. That was it's a impressive. song called
1: Rise in the West, so I had to I had to push play on that one yeah. because um we definitely represent over here. <laughs> West Coast. Uh, yeah, and so uh you know Where's Caesar's, Caesar from?
0: Uh Palmdale, I thought. I'm pretty sure it's Palmdale.
1: I was like, "Where the yeah. Afro Man's from, huh?" Why
0: is it? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't know. Where Remember Afro that, man was dude? From. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's because, because I got like high. High. yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, man. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Caesar's a, a great guy, man. I want to thank him again for for jumping on the podcast, and uh, yeah, he was all for it as soon as I hit him up. So I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty thankful for that. That was um, yeah, it's a great conversation. He's also, uh, he got back into school too, man. So he's he's doing, a, working on a psychology degree, I think he said. And um, yeah, he's doing it, man. Doing music. Like, and, uh, you know, I just feel like the creativity in this album is, because it's not all like he even mentions in the interview. It's not all about being, having a spinal cord injury or no. this or that. I mean, talk raps about women and like probably, you know, relationship stuff. And uh, he said his like his next album, but I mean, I like I, I and I told him I was like you can feel the heart in it, you know what I mean? And that's what that's what gets me, man, every time. So yeah, thank you to uh, to Caesar. We appreciate appreciate your time, bro. Um, what else though, I was gonna tell you, Brandon? Um, on I know you probably watched the uh, Oprah Winfrey interview with mm. uh, Harry and you know
1: I actually did.
0: Did you really? Okay. Yeah. I was just joking, man, because I didn't think you'd be... <laughs> I actually did. All right, well, well
1: um... <clears throat> Carmen was like, I want to watch it, and so I had to find it for her, um, and I ended up uh, just downloading an app for it, but yeah, I watched it. It was Yeah, I watched it. So, what's up about
0: anyway, it? Anyway, I'm not even trying to talk about that. I'm trying oh, to talk okay. about the reaction from people. Did you see the reaction from people in the UK that had to watch it on like, American TV or whatever they... And,
1: uh, oh, there's they, beef, man.
0: No, they were they were freaking out because every other commercial was like a commercial for some drug company, like some drug, like with all oh, the side They're not allowed effects. to do that. There, they don't do that in the UK. And so all of the, they were like, "What the?" They're like, "Ask your doctor if you should be taking this." Like, what the hell are you talking about? The the tweets were hilarious. Oh, man. didn't even so,
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean. Uh, you know big pharma has their hands in it. here's the thing though i was listening to um some people talk about um it was a science podcast even though i wasn't really listening to any other podcast besides this one i just happened to stumble across it but it was about um, which vitamins you could take supplements you could take that was it were they helpful to fight towards covid Right. And most of the people were like, you know, I don't really trust big pharma. That's the thing. Right. So we'll take the supplements. But, you know, the supplement industry is a billion dollar industry, too. And when you're talking about um, studies or making claim, I know it's very you can't be very specific about the claims, but there's a lot of money in supplements, too. It's like you can't believe anybody out here because it's all wrapped up in money, man. Right.
0: It's so true, man.
1: And, and so I get it capitalism capitalism is like who do you trust that's the thing exactly you want to you know when we're when we're just talking about the vaccine and the nurse is like i'm gonna wait and it's like well i don't know (laughs) who knows man what i know is i don't want to be sitting in my house forever yeah and it's like oh well vitamin c can um doesn't actually help you get a help you not get a cold according to these studies or whatever but then it also like helps reduce the time when you have a cold right or zinc the same thing like it cuts the time downs but there's no it's been shown no effects on COVID. And it's like eh, i don't know man like how how much have you really been studying that
0: right right you it's, know it's wild man there's so many crazy things and like oh you know i've like literally got like because i have a few people that i know that are like anti-vaccines like one person i called told them i got they got there you know talking just in small talk I'm like oh i got the vaccine and there's like dead air for a second like oh cool yeah like all right bro well you don't need it man i get it but or you know I get, i've you had
1: can't. a lot of vaccines in my day yeah when i from when i grew up um we got, all, I mean, we got a lot of vaccines. Yeah. And I'm, I'm I gotta think I'm okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they're gonna make people start get this vaccine before they let you travel and stuff pretty quick here, man. So it, it
1: may get fishy, man. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I'll probably, I'm probably gonna take the vaccine anyway. So I, I don't know, um, I, if it was available to me, it hasn't been yet where we live. So.
0: Yeah, I get you, man. But
1: um, uh, nobody I um, know's died from it. So no, me too, right? <laughs> nobody I know's I, died. Of I,
0: COVID I do know. Either, but <laughs> I, I that's not but, that's not
1: true, man. I, I definitely believe that I know somebody that died of, of coronavirus, man. Oh, uh, Really? That's yeah. That's, We're I not mean, gonna that's, say names yeah, on no, here, doubt, man. No but I can tell you off there.
0: Yeah. Oh, that sucks, man. I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'm thankful I don't know anybody. I mean, maybe I do know. You do. Okay. Well, uh yeah. Anyway, I you know, what about Texas, man, and Mississippi and these places, like, doing away with the mask mandate, like, right before they think they're going to have enough vaccines for everybody? That's just crazy to me.
1: That's, I mean, hopefully they're on board with the vaccine then. Yeah. I mean, I just feel I don't like, know, man, man, I
0: mean, I just don't know. It's like, I get it like opening stuff back up if you if you think that you need to open stuff back up I just don't know about doing away with the mask mandate like what's the point like why not just say yeah I mean because I mean I guess companies can still be like oh you're wearing a mask if you come in here but um which I heard like you know a bunch of like, like
1: yeah major corporations are still going to make that because it's their employees man that they worry about right I don't think they're like trying to take your freedom away it's like if you're working in a grocery store, I mean, you probably would prefer if people were still wearing a mask. That well, it's like, be. I mean, if, yeah.
0: I heard somebody say the other day, like, well, I'm sure people didn't want to wear seatbelts when.
1: You didn't have to wear seatbelts, belts dude. I know,
0: but once they put the law in for seatbelts, you had to wear
1: seatbelts. Or helmets.
0: Or helmets on bikes and motorcycles. Yeah, yeah I mean. It's uh, yeah. It's just a, it's a crazy, crazy world we're living in right now.
1: I mean, there that still begs the question: um, Should they make you wear seatbelts, man? Like, is that an overreach of government? That's a I, debate that people still would have. I mean, uh, like, I, of course, it's safer. That's been proven. But do they need to make you do it? That's a thing that you need to to consider.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I guess, man. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm not political. I'm we're we're. Yeah, we're you are. I uh, am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're trying to stay but, neutral here. No, but yeah. we're just
1: saying. We're just saying. We're just debating. It's these just these yeah. It's, you got to look at both sides of the the spectrum, man. And um, overall, if we just do the right, if we just do the easy stuff, we could be like wearing a mask. We probably could have been way past this if we had just you know lockdown for just a little bit longer and i know it's hard man
0: yeah what's going on in australia i know they had like a strict strict lockdown for like a 100 days or 115 days or something like that
1: it doesn't exist there coronavirus doesn't exist really in, in australia wow they have basically are living life as normal and have been for like the last three months
0: right Man, that's a But that's a you know,
1: you can't trust it's a, it's a trust issue, man. We don't we don't have trust in our government, and apparently they do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know I, I do know a lot of people were pretty outraged. Pete Evans, our, our guy Pete Evans. Yeah, uh, Chef Pete Evans on the man, show, he was, man. He was he was pretty he's been pretty outspoken over the last few months, but uh we got him pre pre uh <laughs> pre Q. Yeah, pre Q and on. Anyway, well, uh, yeah. Hey, thanks again to Caesar. Um, You know, we definitely appreciate it. Please go check him out. Check out his music. Uh, The guy's a super inspirational person. So, uh, yeah, we will be back next week. Hope you all stay safe and have a good one.